comes, he, the devil comes and he brings something to our attention and to our forefront, to the forefront of our minds. And he's like, okay, is this or God? And, and the choice and the, and the war is pretty obvious. It's pretty simple. Okay, for some of us, we're coming to church and we're, we're knowing, we're hearing what we're supposed to do. We're coming to small groups and we can't, we're no longer at that place where we're saying, oh, I, I don't, we know. It's, it's an obvious, a blatant choice. You go ahead and you make the choice. It's like when, when I, oh, I can't believe I, I slept with this girl. No, you, it's like how Pastor Joe would say, you went, if you pretend like you're on a diving board and this is a pool, sin is the pool. You went on the diving board, jumping up and down. Jump off that thing, spin some salt right into it. Deliberate. Okay, and it, this, this skit showed, portrayed, you know, what it's like. At, f- at first, when we're coming to church and we get saved and we think, oh, that's it. This is awesome. And then we'll go back home and then, and then the devil will come and he'll bring temptation to our forefront. And at that point in time, it's for you guys to choose. God gave you freedom. Do you choose freedom? Or do you want to go back to the very same thing that kept you in bondage? Today we're talking about, continuing with our series, In the Beginning. And if you guys got your Bibles, open up to Genesis 3. And I want to keep this right here at this level. You know, we can have fun. We can goof off, guys. But today we're talking about the fall of man. When sin came into this world. And, I, and this is where it all started, guys. So Genesis 3, the fall. I just read along as, me, as, I, as I read out loud. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from the tree, it will open up your eyes and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the women saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Let's keep on reading. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are all of you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. 16. The woman, to the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, 
Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you will return. Father, I thank you for your word, God, and I pray, God, that what's said here today, Father, will speak to our hearts, open up our hearts to receive your word. And God, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to, to hearts, Father God, Lord, for, for people who's their first time coming, Father, for, for the 201 or for the, for the 101 or God, Lord, we don't know it all and we want to know you more. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing right off the bat, guys, in continuing with this series, okay, there's going to be a series that we're going to be talking about different things, but right now we're talking about in the beginning, and that story actually happened. That story, we read it from Genesis. That's exactly straight from the Bible. I didn't take anything out what the Bible said. All right? And we learned that in day six, I believe it was day six, that God created man. Man, woman, and man in his image. Amen? We talked about that last week, and we talked about that God knitted you in your mother's womb. That's awesome. That's great news. But guess what? The devil, he, I'm going to tell you, he, he hates God. And there was a devil before the creation, because otherwise, if there wasn't a devil before the creation, then how did he get there? Okay? So first things first, you've got to understand, when you read about the creation story, God, even though when he was creating everything, if you read back, God said, and it was good, and it was very good. God made everything good, but you have to understand, everything was perfect. Now go down the list. Adam and Eve had everything. God gave them everything they ever wanted. God had everything provided for them. They had no need. God provided for them everything. They had, they had an open, free relationship with God. If you read that story, I read through that the Lord God came in the cool of the day, as was his custom. Okay, God will come down. And we think about it. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, Jesus would walk with them. In the cool of the day. Imagine that. That we can walk out from this church and just be with God. Just walk in the cool of the day. That's what they had. Adam and Eve. An open, free relationship with God. God, Jesus, walked in the cool of the day with them. There was no sickness, nor famine, nor death. Everybody say perfect on the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, we gotta get. We got to wake up. Everybody stand up. Stand up. Wake it up. Come on. Stand up, everybody. Come on. And on the count of three, we're going to say Perfect. One, two, three. I caught you guys off guard. One, two, three. Perfect. Perfect. You guys can sit on down. (laughs) Get you guys up today. Some of you guys got the sleepies going on. Look at Michael. I've been watching the whole time. Come on. God is good. God created everything perfect. You know, and we bring this up and we bring this up. And where did the story go wrong? Where did it go wrong? We read it and let's keep on going. The serpent is Satan. The serpent is Satan. Okay? The Bible said that in the beginning, it tells you the story, the serpent came. Oh, well, that wasn't, that wasn't the devil. There's a scripture out there and it says that the serpent, from the beginning, since the beginning of creation, was Satan. And it calls him out, Satan. So we understand this. The serpent is Satan. His bio, his bio just a little bit of stats about the devil. He started off as an angel of light. His name was Lucifer. Sinned against God, sent from heaven with a third of the innumerable amount of angels. And they became fallen angels. Now we give them the term demons. Okay? His native tongue 
lies. Aha, that's funny. What's his name? What's he speak? He speaks lies. I'm telling you, when he opens up his mouth, his purpose, point, and everything he does is deceive you. Matter of fact, the next thing, purpose, to seek, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. The thief comes to seek, kill, and destroy. His tactics, temptation. He hates God and mankind. But his final destination, the lake of fire. So right now, I gave you a, a bio, a quick stats of the devil, Satan. But you got to understand one thing, people. Understand this and get this. Understand it. Bring the Bible to it. His final destination is the lake of fire. He's a defeated foe. Defeated. Jesus Christ, we praise him. We, we, we bless him. God, he's awesome. Came on a cross, died on a cross to give us the victory, free from sin. And understand, he's a defeated foe. His final destination is the lake of fire. But some of us are truly, truly not living as if he is a defeated foe and his destination is the lake of fire. And you know what? We're following him to the lake of fire. And it gets me every single time. It's just like if everybody lived perfect, there'd be no need for like um, um, preaching of like get right with God, get right with God. God made everything perfect, people. But understand this. The devil, since he's going to hell, he knows that. He can't stop it. It's written in the word. The thing you're carrying, it's written, his fate. And he understands that, but he hates you. He hates God. He hates you. And he's going to do everything he can to get you away from God. As we saw in this skit, which was done in excellence, was a good job. It shows you he's not dumb. He'll come up to you so subtly. And I don't like how Deanna came up. She said, I'm the devil. So you guys had no devil. Like, who's Deanna playing? Oh, okay. She's so, and you saw how it worked, how it worked, how it worked. Okay? Find us in the lake of fire. Let's keep on going. Did God really say that? You shall not surely die. I took that from the passage we just read. And understand that when the devil came and, and tempted Eve, the way he does it, oh, he, does, he knows exactly. He's like the master of deception, the master of, of, of evil. Like he knows how to talk to you. He's not stupid. He knows how to get you to come. He knows what makes you tick. You see, did God really say that? The first thing he asked, he never said, he never came up and said, you know, God didn't exist. God doesn't exist. He comes up to Eve, and he has her question God's commands. Some of you are in this place, and there's been a point in time when we've had worship service, and we're doing things, and we're asking God, just press in, guys, or, or even doubts about the Bible. He makes you doubt. What's the first thing he said? Did God really say that? You couldn't eat? Well, hold on a second. What? He gets you thinking. Because he knows the battle's already won. On Calvary, the Bible says that even before the creation of the world, God was the lamb slain. Before the creation of the world, Jesus Christ. He knew it. The Savior. But his purpose, his tactics to get you to doubt, to think. Wait, what? He did not come as an atheist nor challenge Eve's faith in God, but rather question what God had said. Satan's initial approach is to deceive, not deny. To cause doubts, not disobedience. You think he would have came down, eat that tree, eat that tree. He's forcing him. No, hold on a second. What? At first, what he'll get you to do, he'll get you to think about it. And I like the time whenever we, we, we sin, when we do things that God told us not to do, it's always premeditated. It's not like, oh, I did it. We think about it. It's in our brain. That's what he wants to do. Think about it, think about it, because you're not even thinking about the word of God. He distorts the truth. And it's a fine line, guys. It's a fine line when you start rationalizing what you're doing. 
Some of you guys may be looking at pornography. Some of you guys may be sleeping around with your girlfriend. Some of you guys may be lying, cheating on your test back in school. Some of you guys are disobedient to your parents. Some of you guys may have all these different things that you say one thing, but when you come to church, it's a different story. What is it for you? Oh, Adam, this is who I am. It's who I No, no, no. He has you doubt what God said. You shall not surely die. And the way he said it, I mean, you read through that passage. I mean, I mean, you shall not surely die. Because Eve responded to him. Did God really say that? And he said, well, well um, he said that we shouldn't eat from any tree except for this one in the garden. And if we, say, if we even touch it, um, we, we will die. And he goes and blatantly lies. And he says, you shall not surely die. And Eve goes ahead. And if you read the rest of the story, he, um, Eve takes it and gives it to her husband. But the way he says it. It's called dogmaticism, dogmatic tone. I mean, if someone says something to you that sounds so real, I mean, you'd believe them too. Just because someone comes up to you and they say all these different things in such a way that they know it's right, don't believe them. Test what, what they're saying to you is true. Test what I'm saying to you is true. Go back to the Bible. And so Satan came and you shall not surely die. Made it seem convincing. Made it seem real. You, well, God said that? You're not going to die. He just doesn't want you to know, be like him. You're going to be like God when you eat of it. Satan's questions took Eve's focus off of God's generous provision and placed it right on God's prohibition. Have you noticed that? Now, I, ever, I always think about this, and I read this story. This one thing came to my mind. You know, what the devil said, his purpose was intent to get you off the fact that God already gave you everything that you needed. I mean, God gives you everything that you need. What more could you possibly want? And see, the, the question was, get your mind off of this. And look, he told you not to do that? Oh, that's not fair. What's he hiding from you? Or are you going to be like God? I'm telling you here today that some of us come to church, and God gives us everything that we need. He gives us freedom. But somehow that's not enough, that we have to go back, and when we leave this place, we can go back and, and do the things that we, we were set free from. It doesn't start... It doesn't start all automatically. Go do it. Go ahead and have sex with your girlfriend. See, I'll share my own personal testimony. I grew up in church. God was presented for me as a young man, went to a Christian Bible school, okay, was going to youth group most of my life, went to Christian camps, okay. In my senior year in high school, I fell off bad, started sleeping around with my girlfriend. In the very days, Fridays elevate when Pastor Joe would come and do his thing. Before even going there, I would sleep with my girlfriend and come to a, a service where I would hear, you should not do that. And he's looking right at me, and it's like, oh, my gosh, he knows. The conviction. God sent conviction to me that day. I was just like, I shouldn't do that. Go out the next day, do the exact same thing. Go out. But before it happened, I'll tell you what happened in the meantime. From hearing that service and going up and getting prayer the next day, I rationalized with myself. I said, you know what, this girl, she's not just any girl. She's going to be my wife. So it's okay for me to sleep with her even though I'm not married to her. It's okay for me to do things I know I'm not supposed to be. It's okay for me to do this. One day I'm going to marry her. Wow. How he makes it seem so, so real and so easy and so right. Let's keep on going. The consequence of sin is death. Let's read. Sin brought shame and separation. Spiritual death is separation from God. The separation in the garden was not imposed by God, but enacted by men. Wow. So, so today, guys, I'm telling you the, the simple truth. 
that we come here to Fridays to elevate, to worship God, give him everything that we have. And guess what? He's worthy of everything that you have, of all your energy, of all your strength, of your shouting, you know. You know, we didn't have a drummer. We didn't have a piano player today. Back in the day, the, the gooden, all right, when Joe was up here, Joe was up here by himself with a guitar and just singing. Okay, and Joe will tell you himself, he's not the best of singers, but we got crazy for God. Jumping around, pressing in after God. He deserves it all. Sin brought shame and separation. Never do something you know you're not supposed to be doing. And you not tell the very people that love you the most, that want to see the best for you. It does that. As a matter of fact, we've had some people that come to Elevate, get set free from things and go back into the very same thing and then feel that shame and want to leave because they can't be in church because it's like I'm two-faced. I need to get this right first. No, hold on a second. Wait a minute. You need to come to God. You can't deal with that on your own because you're going to get in more mess. It happens. It doesn't matter who you are. The same and the separation from God. Spiritual death is separation from God. You know what? He deceived. The devil deceived Adam and Eve that day. You're not going to die. They ate it. Woman ate it. Gave it How do you feel? Well, I feel fine. Are you, are you dead? That very day, back in the beginning, we were cut off from God. We were cut off. The separation in the garden was not imposed by God, but initiated by men. It wasn't God's choice. It was never God's choice for us to be without him. His whole purpose and plan, it was all very good, is for us to be with him. To be with God. You understand what that means? To be with the creator? I mean, he loves you more than your father, your mother would ever love you. And if you guys, you guys will never understand. It will take eternity upon eternity to even figure that out. And you'll have the rest of eternity to just be with God and just be like, man, God, I love you. I'll never understand what you did for me on that cross. At the cross. We sing that all the time. But let me tell you something. We are the ones that go far away from God. We are the ones that leave God. It was never God. Never God. Keep on going. As a result, suffering multiplies. You ever see the news? There's hardly any good news on the news nowadays. It's always tell you something that happened that was wrong. Somebody died. You guys hear about that tragedy in Tucson, Arizona? It's all over the news. You turn on the TV right now. There was a man all over political issues. He didn't agree with something. He was, like, from a different party, and he just didn't like so-and-so. And he goes up and he shoots people. He killed a couple. He killed a, a nine-year-old girl in the midst of it. Goes off and he shoots them all. Kills them. Suffering. Suffering multiplies. Work becomes harder. God said as a result, you're going to have to work. And by the sweat of your brow, you're going to get everything that you have. God, God gave us everything that we ever needed. You understand? Like it's just, Now we're working for our labor and we're hard. Work is hard. Amen. Can I get an amen from all my working people? Work is hard. Praise God. Work is hard. Wars. All the deaths. If you go up through history class, it's, it, you learn about all these different things that happened and the amount of people that died. The Holocaust. World War II. When Hitler came and he killed, literally, I forget the exact number, but many Jews because he thought they were inferior race. Broken relationships, most importantly, the broken one with God. All grief and sadness. Perfection was spoiled forever. It's like, man, Adam, is there any good news? <laughs> is there any good news, Adam? What I'm only seeing is just bad. The consequences of sin is death. And uh, 
And I want to read something to you guys. And I want to take some time right now to to read this. I'm not sure if uh, there's, a, there's a Christian group out there called the Arrows, okay? And the type of music that they do is awesome. I love them. I bought their CDs. Um, I got their stuff. It's awesome. And they do this one song, and it's called In the Words of Satan. And before we listen to it, I want to read you the, um, her lyrics. This lady is just anointed by God. The, they were missionaries to South Africa, and now they're doing this awesome thing. So I'll read to you. This song is called In the, Word, In the Words of Satan. So she's singing it, and these words are in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the way or in the context of Satan saying this to you. Okay? So here it goes. I've been here since the beginning. Know exactly how you work. Know all of your cravings. Know how to make you go berserk. I've been lying from the start just to make you play your part in my infinite rebellion against the Father God. Hate everything he is, and I'll make you hate him too. Make you hate him with your actions. It's so easy for me to do because you like it. Sin feels good for the ego. You love it. This is this one part. Just, you guys will hear it. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, baby, let your hair go. That's what it says. Okay, but because it was hard for me to read that. Oh, come on, baby, let your hair go. Anyways, let's keep on going. And all of the time, I'm winding you up like my perfect little puppet. You're my favorite robot. Welcome to the show, but I'm watching you, and all of hell is with me too, helping me make my lies look true. Oh, and there's a lie for everyone, a lie that opens up your heart so that can get me some more of your free will. I'm winding you, winding you. Give me the control. That's why I'm telling you, selling you anything, everything appealing to your human way of being. And I'll use it all against you just to keep your eyes from seeing past the life you're living, past the moment you're in, past the pleasure of your sin or the cigarette that you're smoking, choking on your lust. I'll make you drunk with pride, so deeply spun into my system that you won't see the light. Never mind that I'm drowning you. I keep deceiving you because I don't tell you. I don't tell you about the God in heaven who loves you, who yearns for you. I don't tell you about the freedom of forgiveness and truth. Why would I tell you? Why would I tell you the truth? And I want you guys to listen to it because she does a better job. And what I do, praise God. So go ahead and then just go ahead and play that right now.
Wow. <clears throat> there's a there's a music video to that, and um, uh, you guys can watch that. It's called "The Arrows in the Words of Satan." There's more to the song, but it's powerful. It's powerful. So when I, when I look at the video and I, and I hear the song, it, it, the first time I heard it, it's just like, oh, that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. And for some of us here, we've we've realized that, and we've woken up, and we heard the call, and we ran to our Savior. And she she sings it so well because it makes it seem like he's your friend. Some of us here, we've woken up, and we ran to the Savior. Yeah, we think about the past, and we think about it, and we think we miss it, that somehow it's better than what God gave us. You know? Who's to blame? Going back to the story, Adam and Eve's reaction, and I believe their reaction to how they handled sin is similar to everybody here today. And you know who you are. And so let's get right into it. Adam and Eve's reaction, they hid themselves from God. When you're caught up in the life of sin, you'll hide yourself from God. You won't show your face around here. And if you're hiding sin in your life, you won't tell your leaders who will, on God's behalf, will come and pray for you. Oh, I just pointed out two different people right there. I pointed out the backslider, those who want nothing from God. And I pointed out the Christian who's in the church. Now I'll say it again. They hid themselves from God. The first person, the backslider, the one who doesn't care nothing about God, wouldn't even show themselves here in the church because they're hiding, because they're caught in sin, because they have that shame that separates them from God, and they can't. No matter, how, no matter how hard they may think in their minds that I'm good, I'm okay, I'll be fine, I'm going to heaven because I believe in good places, and good people go to good places, they hide themselves from God. Or you're here in the church, you've been serving for a while, you're doing well, and you do something, say something that you know you shouldn't. And really, you should come out and say, hey, man, pray for me for this because I'm struggling in this area. But you'll hide yourselves from God. You, how? You won't tell a, a, your, your brother or sister in, in Christ. You won't tell the leader. And what happens is, you know, you start to you pet off. Maybe I, this time when I come to service, I'll pray and I'll cry this time. They hid themselves from God. That's one of the first reactions. Two, they blame each other. You ever notice when you read this story, when, why have you done this? Adam, why have you done this? Well, well first he asked Eve, it was a serpent. And then he asked Adam, why have you done this? It was a lady, the woman you put me in with. It was her fault. I didn't eat it. She gave it to me. We'll never take responsibility for some of the things that we'll do. Look at it. We'll never take responsibility. And the third thing, they rationalize their sin. They rationalize their sin. Well, maybe it's not that bad. Well, so-and-so does this, and they go to church. Or you know what? Maybe I can get away with just looking at it once and then praying and then really believing that I'm saved and, and that God does. He said, cut it off. Draw the line. There's no more rationalizing, thinking that you're okay. And anything that you may do, God came to set you free from that. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Praise God. Who's to blame? God asked them, where are you? He asked, didn't he ask them that? And in terms, basically, we, and why are you hiding from me? Ever think about that? When they sinned, their eyes were open, the Bible says. They realized that they were naked. Adam and Eve were naked in the garden. Everything was perfect. He's like, Adam, can we get naked now? No. Do not. I said, what are you guys thinking? I, I had to say it because some of you guys are like, 
okay, we're naked. I'm just doing what the Bible said. No, 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 no. Before, God made everything perfect, but now they, they covered up their shame. Like, oh, my gosh, and they hid from God. Who told you that you were naked? And why did you believe somebody else, not me, not shy? Says shy right there. You guys even caught that. And why did you believe somebody else, not me? That's what God is asking. Why did you believe somebody else? What is this you have done? And are you ready to take responsibility for it? I think the thing that we need to analyze and, and realize and understand is, is when you sin, is not to hide from God, not to do the normal reaction, what everybody else does. The, the secret sin that no one sees when, when doors are closed, the things that you say to your boyfriend, your girlfriend, the things that you'll do with yourself, the thoughts that you may have. Who are you? Don't rationalize it. Don't rationalize it. Are you ready to take responsibility for it? When you realize that God's questions, God's questions, you've got to see the difference. Satan's questions only came to bring shame and to separate and bring accusation to Adam and Eve, to man. But God's questions, their sole purpose is to bring restoration, to make everything right, to bring you back in that perfect relationship with God. And I want to show you something. We have another video for you guys for your viewing pleasure. And we have this, and basically... It's a video done by, by some people, and, and they have it's, it's, it's something where it's called Satan's Plan. Okay, before you play it, it's just basically, it's, it's a fictional story, but this is exactly um, how the devil will work, and it gets you thinking. Go ahead and play it.
gets you thinking, huh? And we we can get too busy for small groups. Some of our friends here today were too busy to come to service because we have some empty seats here. Who's uh? Who are you listening to here today? Does an excuse come up when 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 you think about God and coming to church and going after God or raising your hands and praying from your heart? Does an excuse come up that maybe it might be weird? I'm not used to it. What's the excuse? Well, I mean, what happens? Who's to blame? Who's to blame? Everybody can stand up to their feet with me. We're going to end in this last point. Jesus, the Savior of the world. John 3:16, And I want everybody in this place because we're celebrating Christ. Come on, we're celebrating Christ. We have the victory, the freedom. And we're going to say this out loud. And we're going to shake the very gates of hell and let him know down there. That God has set us free. You know why? Because of this. John 3, 16. Everybody just loud, nice and clear on 3. 1, 2, 3. For God so loved the world. Come on. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Or are you rationalizing your sin? The choice here today is to obey God's word or disobey God. That's the choice. That's the choice. It's not, oh, do I go to church today or do, do I go to small groups? Do I obey God? Guess what? When you choose the other, you're disobeying God. So every time when you come and you think about it and you begin to rationalize it, think, do I obey God or disobey God? That puts it a little bit more real. It's like, man, I don't want to disobey God. I'm going to do this. Every eye closed and every head bowed in this place. Father, we thank you right now for what you've done on that cross. God, that we are no longer under Satan's yoke. That God, for some people here today, they may have been coming to elevate for a while now, but God, they just don't get it and they keep on continuing in that thing, that disgusting, that vile thing that you set them free from. God, I pray right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would convict that you will convict hearts. Not bring shame and lead them away, but that you will bring conviction to their hearts and and have them realize that they, by themselves, are, are hopeless. But that, God, with you, there is a hope. There is a hope. And, God, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you speak to hearts. Come on. That you speak to hearts, God. I'm going to have my leaders come on up. I feel in my heart that for somebody in this place, they've been rationalizing the things that they do. I want to read to you something. With eyes closed and heads bowed. Romans 12, 1 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. With eyes closed and heads bowed right now, I just want to let you know that the key is not 
not doing more church. The key is not going out doing more good activities. The key is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The devil wants to attack you at your mind. And so if that's you, I'm just going to do a general outcall right now for anybody in this place. One, that knows they're not saved. That knows, hey, you know, I need to get this right. Two, that have been rationalizing their sin. And three, for those who want to take responsibility and say, hey, that's me. I need more of God. Come on, if that's you, if I just said, you know, that's who you are, just come on up right now. Find one of these leaders to pray for you. Who want to pray, want to get those things off of you. Come on, just respond right now and say, God, I need you. Come on, this is your time right now to get these things right. I just want to speak right now. I just want to say something. Feel pressed on my heart. When, when we come up for altar calls, when we come up for prayer, some may think that, oh, I keep on coming up for altar calls. So that's not me. Adam's not talking about me today. You see, the altar call, you see, the place where we come and we pray and we, we want to say, God, I just, I just want to hear from you. It's not a place of shame and condemnation. Some people may think that you become in a church and you see, no, I'm good. Unless he's saying something, though, more Jesus, that's when I'll go up. And we've made the altar something that we're not familiar with. But I tell you, but I tell you right now, when you respond and say, God, hey, this, this, I'm not perfect, and I want you to just speak to my heart right now. I tell you the truth, God will speak to you. It's your choice. It's your choice. No one's forcing you. No one's grabbing you by the hand. It's your choice. Just drawing close to the Lord. Come on. A few more moments with the Lord. Let's go. Let God change you. So kind of about 